been looking at it. But you know, one of the failures that that Samson had, and the and the failure that Samson did have was his rebellion towards the Lord. Uh, you know, his parents were chosen by God, and God chose them, and they lived a separated life, and they wanted to please God and desired to please God. But here it comes. Uh, Samson really, I don't think he ever caught it. I don't understand why uh, Samson just immediately went his own way. Um, we read and studied the first few verses of chapter 14. Samson immediately wanted a woman that he should have never been with. And we talked about that. And the woman that he wanted to be with was someone who was not saved, someone who was not born again, someone who, who desired, was, was of the Philistines, and someone who was lost. And, and so it wasn't someone that God wanted him to be with. God had chosen him to be of the Nazarite vow, and that, those were specific rules and specific laws that he had to follow, and, and Samson didn't follow that, and we'll see that tonight. But I want us to look at tonight, we'll read those uh, verses together, and then we'll uh, dissect some of those. But if you will, uh, you got your Bible, look, uh, Judges chapter 14, let's begin reading in verse number 5, and we'll read all the way through verse number 9. Hopefully we'll get through all of verse 9 tonight, but I don't know if we will. And the Bible says, uh, then Samson went down. If you'll notice that in your text, that word, down, uh, watch this. Samson went down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told his, not his father or his mother what he had done. And it's interesting that, that uh, Samson didn't tell his mom and dad. Uh, verse number seven, and when he went down... And talked with a woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take, take her, and he turned aside to see uh, the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion, and he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. And, and, but he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of a lion." Now, <laughs> what I want to look at is three different things tonight. Number one, I want to look at the direction of Samson. In this text, you will find in verse number five and in verse number seven, the word down. Uh, there's a downward turn of Samson. I do understand that he was physically headed downward uh, because of the direction in which Timnath was compared to where he was at. So he was headed down, down the mountain, down the hill type of thing. But if you will notice in the scripture, there are many different times that, well, there's, I know for sure of two different instances in the scriptures where two different men went down. Um, and that downward turn was not a reference to a spiritual thing. It was a reference to a thing of what you would call backsliding. Um, and as a Christian, you can backslide. Uh, what does it mean to backslide? And I, 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 heard, an, I heard a definition of backsliding years ago, um, and it's probably the best, best definition I've ever heard of backsliding. What does it mean to backslide? It means if you've ever been closer to God than you are right now, then you've been backslidden. So if there ever was a time you've been closer to God today or yesterday or, or a month ago, you were closer to God than you are right this minute than you have 
backslidden. It doesn't mean that you're <laughs> out living a life of, of, of wickedness and sin. Just because you're not doesn't mean that you're not backslidden. You can be in church, coming to church three, four times a week, and, and you can be just as backslidden as someone who's out doing and living a wicked life. Uh, that's why it's so important to make sure that we're right on the inside as well as, you know, well, I'm not like all those other guys. It's the publican would pray and the, all those, the sinner would pray in, in the house of God. Well, I'm glad I'm not like the other guys. No, We've got to make sure that we're good on the inside and make sure that we're clear. Because the only person I know who's not backslidden, and the only person that I know that can make sure that I'm not backslidden is Trenton. You know, you might be able to see someone's backsliding. You might be able to see someone sliding backwards. But ultimately, you're the only one that knows whether you are close to God or whether you're not. Because you can hide it. And I've seen people hide it good. Um, I, I've seen church staff. I've seen church uh, assistant pastors and, and fall into sin and do things of wickedness. And uh, you would have never known. Um, but they hit it. They hit it good because they backslid very little, little at a time, little at a time, little at a time, and it became more sin than they could have ever dealt with. And so that's why it's so important that we don't backslide. Samson is one illustration of someone who went in the wrong direction to go find a woman he should have never been with. Then also you'll see in the book of Jonah, Jonah went down, down to Nineveh. Or down, I'm sorry, he didn't go down to Nineveh because Nineveh was the place he was supposed to go. Where did he go down to? He went down to what? Joppa, right? Tarsus. And then he got on the, and then he booked a, a, booked a boat. I, I, need to, I need to know my information first, right? Wasn't it Joppa and then Tarsus? What was the name of that town that he went to? Ma'am? Tarsus, was it? Is that right? And he, I mean, he went down and then this, oh, that cough drop got turned sideways in my mouth. Uh, man, that hurt. Uh, but he went down. And if you look in the scripture, what, where was Samson running from? He was running from God. And he was running from a direct order of God. Samson was doing the exact same thing. He was called of God to be a Nazarite. And the Nazarite vow was very strict. But he didn't want that. And I don't understand why. Why didn't Samson want to, to be chosen of God? And, and we look, honestly... Um, from an outsider looking in, most people look at Samson's like, wow, look what he did. Well, can you imagine what he would have done if he wouldn't have backslid and w wouldn't have been away from God? Because God used him to hurt the Philistines and to, to destroy the Philistines in some sort. But ultimately, what could have God done with Samson if he wouldn't have rebelled in his downward turn? Now, look at your life. What can God do with me if I'm not backslidden? If I'm not running from God, if I'm not backing away from God, how close should I be to God? How close should I be? That's a question. What do you think? How close should we be to God? What do you think? That's a personal feeling on what you, you know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly how you feel about the Lord. And you can look at your past and look at and look what you're doing now and see if you're doing just as much for the Lord as you were doing before. Mm -hmm. And your love, you know personally you if you love him just as much as you did before. Right. But you have to judge yourself on that. Other people can't judge you. That's no. Really you have to look at yourself in the mirror. That's right. And you've got to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And and though Brother Alfred, mm -hmm. sadly enough, we're not honest with ourselves. Because when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we don't look at our backyard. 
You know, it's too many times we look in the mirror and we're like, well, look at what that guy's doing over there. And look what that guy's doing over there. But truly, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what I'm doing. And we have to have a self-evaluation of how close we are to God. Are we truly as close to God as we possibly can be? Are there improvements I can make to be closer to God? And I want to be honest with you. Yes, Trenton, there are improvements you can do to be closer to God than you are right now. And so what are those steps? What are those things that I can do in my personal life to make myself closer to God? I'll ask you, what are steps in your life that can allow you to draw closer to God? Help me out. What would you do? What are steps that you can take to grow you closer to God? Okay. Be, be more willing to witness, okay? That's good. Talk about the Lord more. Talk about him more. Hey, 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 stop that. Talk, hey, hey, hey. Stop talking about that, okay? You can talk about all you want to, but don't talk about no football now. I'm just kidding. Pray and read your Bible. Get in that Bible. You know, that prayer is how, God, how we speak to God. That is how we speak to God. But how does God speak to us? Through, you, through your Bible. That's right. And it's so important as a Christian to get in that book and allow God to speak to you because that is, the, that is one way that God can speak to us. God can speak to us many different ways, but one of the ways that God speaks to us is through His Word. One of the ways that God speaks to us is through the, through the preaching. One, one, another way that God speaks to us is through, through the song. You look through this songbook, and we, we sang some songs tonight. Man, the Lord really touched my heart when we were singing in the garden and, and how sweet it is that when we, when we walk with Him, He can be there right there with us and... That's right. The Lord really pressed on my heart, seeing that uh, his eyes on the sparrow. Look, I, I can draw close to God and he can draw close to me. And those words of the song can speak to you. Preacher's words can speak to you. The word of God can speak to you. Even if you just sit down and be quiet for a minute, he can speak to you. You know, we've got the phone and the TV and the computer and all these noises. If we will shut all that off for just a moment, he can speak to us. He can speak to us. That's good. Anybody else? What's nature. nature. It's like, you know, the sunset or the sunrise. Mm-hmm. Just the quietness and hearing the animals. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. That's good. Let your light shine. Yeah. Let your light shine. That's right. The world needs to see... Jesus and me. And honestly, he, the world is not going to see Jesus and me if I'm backslidden. If I'm not close to the Lord, if I'm not reading my Bible, I'm not praying, I'm not spending time with Him, I'm not listening to Him in the stillness of the, of the world. Hey, look, I'm not going to talk to you about Jesus if I'm doing something I shouldn't. If I'm out doing something I shouldn't, <laughs> we ain't talking about Jesus, let me tell you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're talking about everything else but Jesus. But Samson, that's what he did. He rebelled and he went against, he went down, he backslid. We've got to be so careful that we don't backslide even in church. Because like I said, we can find ourselves coming to church and 
you know, doing all the right things, but not truly doing the right things. Uh, just coming to church is not what you need. Yeah, there's so much more. One of the things that helps us is to come to church, but part of that is the fellowship and the camaraderie and the family. Part of that is. But outside of church, when you're, this is, if you come to church four times a week and you get Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, you're talking uh, you're maybe four or five hours of your whole week in church. You know, truly, you're, that, this is just a portion. How many hours are in a week? Seven times 24? 168? Yeah. 168 hours? And you take and you take a you take 168 hours and you take four or five hours that you spend in church? That's not that's not any time at all, really. Right. Right. So truly our church time is to help us, encourage us, and strengthen us. It really is. But truly you're gonna have to seek God outside of church to really grow. You know, seek after the Lord. Seek after the Lord in your Bible. Seek after the Lord in your prayer. Seek after the Lord in, in, in your life and in the, in the stillness of God's voice and be a witness and, and be those types of things so that I'm not stepping away from God, but I want to step closer to God. I want to be closer to God today than I was yesterday. And by doing that, I, that means I've got I've to continue, continue to do and walk with Him. Any other thoughts or questions? Uh, <clears throat> reading is very important. Knowledge of the Bible is very important. People, we, they, we come here, we listen to you, four hours. But well, we need to spend at least that much reading and learning, you know, not just the lessons that I have, but reading the Bible. Because right. you're constantly learning. You don't always, you don't know it all. Right. Well, well, you know, with that, the Bible, you know, it, it tells us in, in Joshua chapter 1, it says to meditate. What does it mean to meditate? I don't know what the definition of the word meditate is, but I think I understand that what I do is I take what I've read and I, and I think about it and I think about it and I think about it and it stays right here. Mm -hmm. The Bible says in the New Testament that we're supposed to study. Not only are we supposed to meditate on God's Word, but we're supposed to study God's Word. Mm -hmm. And part of that and all of that is part of, for my life, what is it says, thy, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, I need God's Word for my light and my path and my direction. And how do I get my light and my path for my direction if I'm not in my Bible to allow it to be that for me? And uh, it's, excuse me, it's important to draw close to Him there have been times in my life in the busyness of my schedule that I've not allowed myself to be as close to God as I should be. To be honest with you, when I was in... I uh, also talking to your children, you know, if you don't know the Bible, you know, you can't discuss the uh, life to Right. You know, I mean, that's the way you live. Right. And, Parents that don't read the Bible don't know them. They're, they're ignorant. They don't know to tell the children right from wrong. 
Or don't do this because right. it's not right. If you don't know it, if you don't know what the Bible says, then you can't have the answer for it. You have that explanation. Right. Because you read it in the Bible. Right. And that's part of that, studying in it and getting in it and knowing, knowing what the Word of God says. The Bible tells us that we need to be ready to give any man an answer. Uh, you know, if someone comes to us, has an answer question for us, we need to be ready to answer it. There might be times that you ask me a question. I'm, I might have to study it out, okay, because I don't know everything about the Bible, and I don't even pretend to know everything about the Bible. There are areas of the Bible that I, I need to know more, okay? Um, and I, I'm not a master of any of it, to be honest with you. But I want to try, and I want to do better than what I am. And I want to draw closer to Him. But all of this, all of this took place in Samson's life simply because he backslid. So someone is not going to fall into deep, dark sin by jumping off and jumping into deep, dark sin. It's going to take a, a time period to take place for that to take place. Someone doesn't end up down the road doing things they shouldn't do by just immediately doing that. They, they start off by just simply skipping something that they ought to be in and doing what they ought to do. Um, and it's a slow progression. It's a slow progression. <coughs> um, personal illustration, when I was in Bible college, um, man, I worked 40 hours a week. I was going to school, you know, 15 to 18 hours a week. And uh, honestly, I caught myself coming and going that I really wasn't spending time with the, with the Lord like I needed to. I wasn't having my, my personal Bible time and because I was, I was working um, 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. and going to school from 7 a.m. to noon, you know. And I, I was simply just busy, busy, busy. And I got to see Stacy like an hour, hour or two a day. And, and so, I mean, we were just, I was just so busy that I allowed myself the busyness of my schedule to allow myself not to be close to God. Even though I was in Bible class and this class and that class, I still, no matter what, I still need personal time with God. And so even though you're coming to church and even though you're hearing the preaching, you still need preaching uh, from the Word of God every day. You know, if, if you truly... <clears throat> If you lived on four meals a week, how hungry would you be? Oh, you'd be starving. Man. You know, yeah. but we would never do that. <laughs> Look, I, I ain't never going to do that. I ain't going to live on four meals a week. But we'll be happy to do that as a Christian. Live on four meals a week. We got a couple meals during the week, and some preaching, and and we're good. We're set for the week. But but we're not. We need that daily. We need that that set aside time for us. And, and again, you, you, me, you have to make time because if you don't make time for it, it won't happen because the busyness of your schedule will take it away from you in just a moment. You'll find something else to do. I've been there. I've done that. Even if I, even if I wasn't going to school, working 40 hours a week and all that kind of stuff, there's been times. I love the busyness of my schedule because I didn't make time for the Lord. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. I didn't spend time with God. I've been there. But you have to make it priority. Why, why do you think it's a priority? So that I can draw closer to God. Draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to the Lord. Samson did not make it a priority to make sure that he was close to God. And his decision-making was a clear, uh, clear thing. Uh, take your, leave your Bible in Judges, but let's go back to Numbers chapter number 6. <laughs> if you want to, you can stay in Judges as well if you want to. But In Judges chapter number 6, is talking about the Nazarite vow there. 
And uh, in Judges, in Numbers, I said Judges, in Numbers chapter number six, and in verse number three, he said, he shall separate himself uh, from wine and strong drink and shall drink no vinegar of wine nor vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes nor eat moist grapes or dried. Now, part of this Nazarite vow, you continue to read in verse number five, the vow of the no razor upon his head. You'll see that. Um, these were Nazarite vows that he was not even supposed to have grapes. He wasn't even supposed to have raisins. He wasn't supposed to have the liquor from the grapes. He wasn't supposed to have grape juice. He wasn't supposed to. Why? That was God's law for the person who took the Nazarite vow. Look where he's at in verse number five. The Bible says that he went down and his father and his mother to Timnath to go to the what? In Judges 14, verse 5. Where's he at? He's in the vineyards. What's in a vineyard? Grapes. Grapes. What's he doing in a vineyard? <laughs> Was he supposed to? Should he have been in a vineyard? He was down there getting grapes. But according to his Nazarite vow, was he supposed to eat grapes? No. Was he supposed to eat raisins? No. Was he supposed to drink the liquor from the grapes? That's what the Bible says. No, he wasn't. But where was he at? In the vineyard. In the vineyard. You think that he was up to no good? Oh, yeah. He wanted to get them grapes. He wanted to get them grapes. Grapes and wine. Hey, I love grapes, man. I, I do too. <laughs> I even like raisins. Yeah, I do, I do too. My kids probably don't care too much for raisins, do you? No. But I like raisins. I like grapes. I like grape juice. Well, I like that. Not a whole lot of grape juice, though, man. It makes my, my throat all dry. But uh, what was he doing? He was being rebellious. He was going in a downward direction in which he should not have been. He should not have been in a vineyard. That's right. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us that he took grapes. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us that he had the wine. It doesn't tell us that. But he was in a place he should have never been because he was, he was being tempted of something that he knew was wrong. That's right. Bible says to abstain from the very appearance of evil. If it appears to be evil, I shouldn't even go near it. Why in the world am I going to place myself in a, in, a, in a position to be tempted in something in which I don't have to be tempted? Samson did not have to be tempted of grapes if he wasn't in a vineyard. I'm not saying he took of the grapes, but he put himself in a position to have to say no. That is the reason why if I ever counsel a woman, I'm not going to counsel her by myself. Just, just for the sake of me counseling a woman by myself. It doesn't look right. That's right. That's right. It doesn't even matter. Because I have to make sure that everything's above board and there cannot be and there should not be put myself in a position to have to say no. My wife and I never rode in a car alone together until after we were married. Never. On our way to our honeymoon, we're like looking in the back seat making sure no one's in the back, you know. I mean, it's a little weird. Like, where's my sister? I don't know. She's not in the back, you know? I mean, it was weird. 
But we wanted to make sure that when we were tempted, that we had an accountability to make sure that we were doing right. Yeah. That's the same word. Uh-huh. We could always say, slam, slam. <laughs> no. That's just yeah. But he was my favorite uncle. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> well, that's just his way. Yeah. And I, I don't blame him at all. Right. <laughs> and then that's right. If you don't ever put yourself in that position, you don't ever have to say no. And Samson put himself in the position where he'd have to say no. He was already going after a woman he should have never been with. That's right. That's right. And now he puts himself in another position to say no to the grapes, no to the wine, no to the grape juice, no to the raisins. <laughs> well, in this case, I think it was the woman. Because it, well, well, I guess, I don't know. I don't know which came first. Hey, maybe the wine gave him the courage to go get the woman. He shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have been. (laughs) But it was a temptation for him. But if you'll look in the very next verse, or verse number 7, and when he left the vineyards, he went down to the woman because she pleased Samson. The wine was first. <laughs> yes, it was. But, but if you look, here's the saddest part, okay? Because a lot, of, a lot of things and a lot of preachers that take this text and look at verse number 6. Okay, verse number 5, there was a young lion that come attacked him. And in verse number 6, the Spirit of God moved on Samson. And Samson took that lion with his bare hands and ripped him in half. Well, a lot of people say, well, look, he was right where God wanted him to be. But it wasn't. God moved in spite of Samson's position. But if you'll notice in that text, he hid that discovery of that lion from his mom and dad. Because he knew he was in a vineyard in a place that he shouldn't have been. And his mom and daddy knew the same thing. But he killed that lion. (laughs) The miracle took place. A miracle simply took place. He ripped that that lion in half. God worked in spite of Samson. (laughs) Sometimes God can work in the rebelliousness of our heart. He wasn't where he should have been. But God still moved on him. So what does it tell you? He did absolutely kill that lion. He rent him him as a kid. And he had nothing in his hand. But see, and here's here's where you know that it was rebellion. Because he didn't tell his mom and dad about it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Because if he, if he was in a place that he should have been and he was doing what he should have done, he would have went home and told mom and dad, guess what? Man, this lion came out to me and I just ripped him in half. But he was in a place he should have never been. That's right. And he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. That's right. 
and then he killed a lion to protect himself. Sad. It's truly sad. To be honest with you, it's one of the saddest stories in the Bible because he had the ultimate potential to be the, one of the greatest warriors in the Bible. And he fell three different times to women, whatever it was. Verse number seven, and she pleased him well. What, was it, what, what in the world is he doing with a woman and, he's pleasing, and she's pleasing him? As you said, he had his wine and then he had his women. And those It was a failure. It was a moral failure of absolutely. Look at verse number eight. Bible says, after time he returned to take her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Who did he turn aside from? The woman? He was in the wrong company. He had unfaithful company. He had the wrong company. But I also think of this too. Not only did he leave the woman, but he also left his parents. He left his parents to go back to see the carcass of the lion. Where was the carcass of the lion? In the vineyard. So not only did he break it going in, going to see the woman, but on the way home, he had to go see the woman. He had to go see the vineyard again to see that lion. His rebellion simply started with just a simple downward turn of his life. People don't end up killing somebody without taking a tiny step in that direction. I was working at a grocery store and it's been 20 years ago, I guess. Yeah, it's been 20 years ago. I was working at a grocery store. This guy was our Coke delivery guy. He brought our Cokes in every week. <coughs> and one, one, uh, one morning, uh, on that Friday, he just delivered Cokes to us on that Friday, that weekend had happened, well, Monday morning, uh, one of the big bosses showed up and delivered gross, delivered the Coke, and I would kind of talked to him, where's this fella at? His name was uh, Mr. Wooten, and I said, where's, where's he at? Where's the regular guy at? And he said, well, his, uh, he's been arrested. I said, he's been arrested for what? He murdered his girlfriend over the weekend. And you say, what in the world? Why do you say that story to me? Look, I was shaking his hand and talking to him about the Lord on Friday. Oh, man. But what he was doing was he was running behind his wife's back, being with this girl he should have never been with. And because she ended up pregnant, he murdered her. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I shook his hand. Shook a hand of murder. 
Well, the, the, hey, look, the, just he, he didn't start off in his mind to do that. He did not in his mind like, ah, that's exactly what I want to do. No, he took that step because he began to slide away from God and begin to stop doing the things in which God did. Samson did not start off in the vineyard drinking wine and chasing women. That's not what he started off doing. He started off making in his own mind that he was going to do his own thing. And he was not going to follow the Nazarite vow. So I'm telling you, you that you may not end up down the road doing things you should not do. The only way that happens is by just simply backsliding uh, one step at a time. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. It may not seem like it's that big of a deal to you, but if you're taking a step back from God, then that's a big Deal. That's terrible. Terrible. Don't back up. Don't fall away. If you've fallen away from God, we need to draw close to Him. It's easy to do. It's easy. It's easy to allow the regular routine to become something that we forget to place God in. Because we get it so many times. I mean, we've been doing it for years. I mean, I've been, I've been coming to church since I was like six years old. Man, it's easy. Let's go. It's not even something I think about. There are things that I do in my life that I don't even think about and do because just simply because I've been doing it forever. Not forever, but it just seems like I've been doing it that long. But don't allow that, that, that what do you call it, the... Uh, the regular mundane things that we do to just become <coughs> something we do. It's something we're being and trying to draw closer to God as we pray and read our Bible. And because that praying and the reading the Bible can just be something out, man, go through the list. All right, I'm done. Check it off. I've read my Bible. I've prayed. I'm done. You know, don't let it just be a checklist. Make sure that we're spending time with God and drawing closer to God so that we don't end up in a situation that we don't need to be in. Like I said, Samson didn't start off with in his mindset that he's going to be down there chasing wild women. But he ended up there because he began to backslide. Any thoughts or questions? The worst thing man can do is think that he can resist temptation. He can't. The devil has more power than man. He can get you to do any. He'll turn you inside out if you don't resist temptation. I mean, if you don't, if you if you think you can handle temptation, you're wrong. Right. You're dead. Well, Bible says to flee it. Yeah, to flee. You got to run from it. You got to recognize it first. Once you recognize it, get away. Right, Man, and and it's and know this. Right, and know this to be true. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to heed to that temptation. That's right. That's right. You know, because you're going to be tempted just like Jesus was tempted. He, Jesus wasn't a sinner because he got tempted. Mm-hmm. Okay? Jesus didn't become a sinner because he, he didn't heed to that temptation either. Jesus wasn't a sinner. He never sinned. But he was sinless and yet he was tempted. So we are going to be tempted. So we have to resist. But I can't resist. No. We, we, Bible says submit to the Lord. And I know I'm not quoting that verse 100% right, but it says, submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. 
It's kind of why I don't know the, all the statements in that verse right off the top of my head, but those three statements, you have to submit to God. And that submitting to God is not being rebellious and not backsliding and not going your own direction. It's submitting to what the Lord wants for your life, submitting what the Lord wants for you on a daily basis. Let the Holy Spirit take over, tell you what. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't say, Holy Spirit, I'm tough enough. Right. She ain't going to tip me, or this thing ain't going to tip me. Once you submit to that, the devil's got you. Right. Well, and you know, you know your weak points. You know what, what tempts you. If you know it tempts you to go to, everybody's different, okay? But if you know it tempts you to do something wrong and you go to a certain store, then don't go to that store. That's right. You know, you just avoid those temptations so you don't even have to say no. Don't even have to say it, yeah. You know, That's sometimes right. it's not just temptation. Sometimes the adversary will say, it's, it's okay. You, you don't have to go to church tonight. It'll be, a, you know, like... Oh, I'll miss tonight or I'll miss Wednesday night. And then pretty soon that comes like, oh, I missed the whole week. Oh, I missed the whole month. <laughs> right. That's what happened. Yeah, I'll need your church and go down at the club down there and have me a brewski. No. I don't think it starts at the brewski, though. <laughs> any any other thoughts or questions? It is, it is. There there are triggers. Everybody, if you will, I'd say triggers. I don't like like necessarily to use that word, but there are there are things that that trigger you that immediately you're going to tempt you, immediately you're going to get your attention. And the devil knows your weak points because he's got you there before. <laughs> okay, so we got to be careful. We got to be careful. But that's why it's so important to make sure that we walk with the Lord because if we're walking with the Lord, we'll recognize when we're being tempted, we'll recognize when the devil's trying to come after us, we'll recognize when he's trying to hit our weak points. Every one of us have them. Everybody has them. Everybody has them. We've got to make sure that we depend on the Lord. Anybody else or any other thoughts, any other questions? Yes, ma'am, you have a question? Okay. move mightily on Samson in that situation. And you and I kind of talked about that this week, but sometimes we think, why is that person protected or why did God do that? You know, it, somebody was praying for him probably, you know, and so just as an encouragement, don't stop praying for people and reaching out to them because you never know what your prayers are protecting them from. Yeah. They think they're never going to listen, they're never going to change, but you never know what, it could be so much worse right. if you weren't praying for them. And so sometimes God right. does those things because of someone else's prayers, not because of anything we've done. Right. So we can be in the wrong place with the wrong people and someone else is praying for us and God protects us because of that. And so yeah. we should still pray for those people even if it, we don't even see any hope. Like they're never going to listen, they're never going to change. You know, they're with the wrong people in the wrong place, but our prayers could be protecting them. Yeah, so, you know, just that's true. That's true. I never thought about it in that aspect of mom. I mean, Samson's mom and daddy were godly. Uh, don't think that they weren't praying for him. And uh, God intervened for Samson Maybe it was for mom and dad. Maybe it was because of mom and dad praying for him. Amen. Anybody else? All right. Let's examine ourselves. Examine and look at ourselves and say, am I, am I backslidden? Am I away from God? Am I, am I as close to God as I can be? All right. There. Anybody else? Don't let temptation. That's right. Running the other way. 
Don't don't try. Don't think you're strong enough to, to no. avoid it. You can't. You're not. We're not strong enough to fight it by ourselves. No. And that's where we get in trouble, Brother Alfred, is we, try, we think that we're strong enough. But the Bible does say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So there is a greater power inside of us that is available to overcome the sin and overcome the temptation that we anticipate. But it has to be done through him, not through me. Let's pray. That's right. That's right. That's good. Lord, I love you. Thank you for tonight. I thank you for everyone that's here and... I thank you for the blessings. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me never to have a rebellious spirit.